Welcome back to another episode of the Personal Collection. Awesome guest here today, Dakota with the YouTube channel Sports Card Anonymous. Hey, welcome to the show. What is up, Ryan? Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, no problem. So this is the second YouTuber that we've had on the show. First one, we had James from Elite Hunters. Now we have Sports Card Anonymous. So before we go into your personal collection, let's talk a little bit about your channel. So what type of videos are you making over there? How often are you uploading? Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> Yeah, the journey's been a while. It's been a wild one. I, did, I started YouTube in like January, December of last year. So almost a year now. The channel, because I've been collecting, you know, since 1999, I've been in the hobby the whole time. I never took a break. And I just see, I saw a lot of people kind of giving a lot of advice and saying a lot of things that I just didn't, didn't, didn't agree with. You know, one of my strong takes was, you know, investing in goats isn't safe. You know, people, I just, I felt like people talked about it like it was an index fund. And it's just, in my opinion, not that safe. Uh, but my, my YouTube journey has really been about how I'm trying to learn more about the hobby and how to leverage the hobby more so that I can build a better collection for myself. And a big part of what I've been doing, especially recently, is really exploring what it is to build a satisfying collection. Because I looked back and I was like, I've been collecting for 20 years. The hobby's exploded. I look at all my cards and literally I would be okay with selling like all of them. And that made me feel like I didn't really build an amalgamation of cards. I don't know. Um, and so I was like, I need to take this more serious and be happy with my collection. And so a lot of my content right now is focused on how to build a happy, you know, how to build a collection that you're happy with and, um, you know, just to enjoy the hobby a little bit more. So let's give a few tips for people building out their collection. Obviously this is the personal card collection. So people get to watch all different types of PCs ranging from wrestling to baseball, football, hockey, whatever sport, but what are some tips you give people? One of the big things that I'm following right now is, you know, when I look at my collection and I think about what is it, I see it as a series of smaller collections, right? And those collections together make the Sports Cards Anonymous collection. And so like I have a collection, I'm a Houston fan, as you can see from the Texans back there, but uh, the Astros, you know, they have a series of retired numbers for, you know, various players. And I have a collection of those guys. And it, it's, it's what I really have learned is to keep it very short. And so that collection is, is their, either their first tops card. Well, it's their first tops card and it's their first tops card in an Astros uniform uniform. So I'm not doing like, I'm going to buy every single card. All these guys have, you know, it's very short. And I would just say that if it's, if it's not like your main or one of your like five main PC people, I would strongly recommend sticking to not having more than one or two cards of that player. You know, maybe their flagship rookie card, and then maybe one nice other car, jersey, auto, whatever floats your butt, insert parallel, whatever it is you like. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to be happier with a higher quality, not a higher quantity in your collection. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. So before I started YouTube, I was always buying a lot of dollar, two dollar cards of players, hoping they would go up. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you buy dollar cards of players and they eventually go $40, $50, $100, $200, you're going to make money. Did that with Kershaw. I bought probably 20 nice. of his cards, um, huge stack of that like flagship and everything like that. But I know I was paying like two, $3 was back in 2008, 2009 when I was buying those. But at the same time, I could have bought some autograph cards for 40, $50. And if you look at the big, the, the amount of returns on the autograph card versus the base, and then like how much easier it is to store one autograph card rather than 20 other cards that might be worth the same amount of value and then moving it like people want the autograph card, you can leverage that into a trade for a bigger card than those 20 other cards. You're going to have to piece them out. So 
there's nothing wrong with getting the lower end cards, obviously, but you want to try to upgrade into something that is bigger because that can give you a more return on it for long term. So one thing I want to ask also is obviously you go after your main PC cards. Do you still buy cards that aren't in your PC and try to leverage them for trades or anything like that or sell them later on? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, part of the YouTube journey and my journey in the hobby the last year has been trying to learn, you know, I, I know that I have a pretty good knowledge about the hobby, especially over the last 20 years and just trying to leverage that to make a little bit of cash on the side here to move into cards that I otherwise would not have bought from my PC. And I, I kind of recently have said that, and I have strong takes. It is what it is. Their opinions. I'm wrong. I'm right. It is what it is. I have recently said, that I think flipping's dead. And I, I do believe that still, but I think prospecting exactly what you just talked about with the Clayton Kershaw. I think prospecting is very much the way to kind of make some money in, um, in the hobby. And I guess I would just say a caution to people out there who don't have a big inventory. It takes time. It takes time to build inventory to where the point where you can get to trades. Don't chase this idea that, you know, you've got $500 in your collection right now. And then in the next, you know, six months, you're going to have $45,000, you know, without putting any more money into it. You know, it, it just takes time uh, to get there. Yeah. And I'll add on to that. So the people that you see have $100,000 collection, $200,000 collections, they have the money to go out there and say, I'm going to buy the best cards out there. And without blinking an eye, that's not going to affect their bank account. But if you don't have that type of money, you have to go to the shows. You have to work on Facebook groups or on Twitter and wheel and deal to try to upgrade your stuff. It's, it's not like what you see on social media. There's a lot of work behind it. Yep. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. So talking a little bit before the show, you mentioned that you collect a bunch of different things, but what's your two main PCs that you're going after right now? Well, my main, I would say the one that I'm really working hard on, I, yeah, there's two of them, sure. Uh, vintage football, there's two specific kind of subsets. I'm collecting one rookie card, mostly the flagship rookie card of every NFL Hall of Famer. And I'm also getting either a jersey card or an auto, auto card of every NFL 100 player. So that's my NFL one. And then my main, I, I don't really like, I, I don't know how else to say this. I don't really idolize players. I don't really have a pr player that I PC. Uh, but I came to the conclusion that I need to have one to PC just because I think you get more enjoyment out of that. And uh, so I re recently started picking up Bagwell for the Jeff Bagwell for the Astros. I mean, if there's one player that's my favorite, it's going to be him. So 90s Hall of Famer. So he's obviously playing when you started collecting cards as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I don't, well, back there, you can barely see it. That's a picture of me and my grandma at uh, what is now Minute Maid. Then I think it was Enron. And uh, she was a big Astros fan, big, um, you know, lady in my life. So I love the Astros probably because, you know, I spent a lot of time with her watching games when we were, when I was younger. How did you get into cards? You said you were gotten what, like 98 or 99? Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a wild one. No one I knew really liked cards. Um, and then 99, I'm eight years old. I start playing football in second grade and uh, I meet who will then become my best friend. I call him Schwartz. I talk him on the channel every once in a while. And um, him and him and his dad was in, were into football cards and then so we would go to the shop, you know, all the time and, and pull packs and stuff like that. And then, you know, I mean, my entire life, you know, him and his dad, you know, been, you know, my best friend and like a second dad to me. So it's just, you know, been a part of our friendship is, is sports cards. And it's something that's always tied us together too. something that no matter, you know, maybe I'm deployed for a year. He's got something where he's gone for a year. Uh, you know, we can always kind of talk about that. That's definitely awesome with that. So let's start, start taking a look at a little bit of your PC. I see you bring over a few cards. Let's talk about them, the stories behind them. Okay. Well, the stories behind them. Here we go. All right. Well, I'll show off this one. This is one of my favorites, man. 
Um, I didn't show you this one earlier. This is a 1999, I'll show it on the camera, 1999 Upper Deck SP Authentic. I'm a big fan of Upper Deck SP Authentic. I think it's super undervalued. I don't think people appreciate the quality that Upper Deck was putting into the hobby around 2000. It's really amazing. Um, and this is a, a game used jersey of Peyton Manning. I got this graded as a SGC9. I probably had it 15, 20 years. My buddy Schwartz, who I was just talking about, he picked, he got so lucky. He ripped a pack like in 2000 and he freaking pulled this card. And I was always so jealous of it. So then like 10 years later, I went and bought one because I'm giving that card. I want that card. <laughs> now, is that his first jersey card or did he have jersey cards his rookie year or? He, well, now that you mention it, I don't know that he had a, a rookie card his jersey year because, I mean, you certainly, man, when do you first start seeing rookie jerseys? I think that might be his jersey rookie or first jersey. This, it, I never thought about it like that. It definitely could be. I mean, for the most part, I mean, the rule of thumb back then was always whatever year you have, this is 99. The jersey was from the year prior. So, it, you know, yeah. it is a rookie jersey. But it's a good point that it could be his first jersey card because I'm trying to think like, I don't really remember any rookie jerseys for the 99 football class or the 2000 football class. By 2002, you for sure have rookie jerseys by 2002. 2000 you for sure have them in 2001 also so i mean it's it's right around that time but i'm not sure if it's his first one or not either way it's a cool card yeah no it's i mean it's it is a rookie jersey i mean i'll go off of that one this one's similar this is 2002 i didn't plan on showing this one off 2002 fleer hot prospects i bought this at the first dallas card show post covid so this is like may of last year and it freaking gemmed with sgc it's so cool that's a Drew Brees, Michael Vick dual jersey there. Oh, Again, this is 2002, so these are rookie jerseys, and it's numbered to 375. It's just a cool card. That's awesome. Now, so, was Dallas – I don't remember if I went to that first one right after COVID or not, but was Dallas the same size as it is today? It was in the same – the main hall. It was in that hall, and they had one of the first – the rooms at the beginning, if y'all have been there, but they didn't have the rest of it, and it was just – it's so crazy because uh, me and my buddy Schwartz talk about going back to it and then the ones we've been to since then. I mean, like one, two shows ago, you literally couldn't move on the floor on Saturday. That's and, crazy there. Yeah. I remember that first one post COVID. I mean, like you probably had seven dealers to yourself. You know, there wasn't that many people. But then what happened is over the next couple of quarters, they do about one a quarter. Yep. No one else in you know North America was doing shows. And so it became real popular and everyone started going. I, I think it's an awesome story because it's like that central place where all the collectors because they now have shows back at home just went to Dallas and yep. met, that's like a, it was like a mini national. Yeah. It, I mean, cause they were the only ones open, you know, it was pretty awesome. So um, I'll give you another one here. I mean, this is this Jersey stuff here. This stuff's pretty cool. I just think this stuff's super underappreciated and growing up, I mean, you might appreciate this growing up in the in, in cards in the two thousands, you know, jerseys were a big deal. Oh, and, I love, I love the Jersey cards, man. Like, yeah, I think the value of the Jersey card today has been depreciated because of the companies throwing in artificial jerseys or event worn or player worn instead of game used and people just don't value all of them i think they get a bad look with the stuff today and look at the old stuff which should be gold and they're like eh. because i mean yep. like the, the jersey cards theoretically should be worth just as much as some of the autograph cards there's less jersey swatches than there's autographs with some of these players now obviously going back pre-war and some of these vintage guys that passed on early that's not the case like there's obviously less Babe Ruth autograph cards and there is Babe Ruth jersey cards but for the modern players today and for the players that played 60s 70s and 80s it's a lot less jersey cards than there's an autos 
Yeah. And I mean, my rule of thumb, just if, if, you know, if you're getting new into jerseys, I mean, look for game used, obviously, but if you stay in the hobby prior to 2007, you, that stuff's all game used, prior, except for rookies, rookies are different. That's all player worn event worn. Um, this one, dude, I picked this up for 50 bucks, like a few months ago. I don't know how this was still only $50. This is 2004 upper deck ultimate collection, which I think if, if you look at national treasures, Panini Flawless, all these, up there. Yeah. All these really high end sets. It really goes back to 2000, early 2000s Upper Deck, the Ultimate Collection, this set, and then the, some of the SP Authentic stuff. Um, that's when you start to see these real premium cards. But this is a Roger Stallback three-color patch. You can see the white, blue, and the black there. I that's mean, that's nice. as many colors as you're going to – that's as nice a Roger Stallback patch as you're going to see. And it's numbered to 150 you know. And at 50 bucks. I'm like, come on. At Dallas? Is... Or No, eBay. I bought this on eBay. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it was even a buy it now, I think, man. I was like, what is happening? So cool. So sorry for the picture quality, y'all. Oh, you're good. Oh, this is a cool one. This was also about 50 bucks, dude. I don't understand this. I don't understand this at all. This is 2008 National Treasures. It's number 46 of 50, and it's commemorating um, the championship game, 1957. So it's got one player from each team. One of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, Bobby Lane, and then one of the best football players of all time, Jim Brown. So game used jersey there. I, I love the old, I love the old NTs. I, uh, yeah, right? I, I, I have, I have so many of those type of like double or triple jerseys that just stored away, like for the price value of them. It's and crazy. Like, I mean, I'm doing this NFL 100 collection and I mean, they literally will have national treasure cards was all with three guys who are all in the NFL 100, all multiple colors. And it's like, yeah, 40 bucks. You know, I'm like, what is happening? You know, like, this is I, crazy. I think, what's the guy's name? Like Lou Groza or something like that? Or yeah, Lou Groza, the kicker lineman. Yeah. No, so I picked up a triple Jersey Lou Groza national treasures in a $5 box at a card show. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like five bucks. I'm, I'm going to keep that. I'm not, I'm not going to flip that or anything like that. I'm putting it straight in my hall of fame Jersey box. Like the, the pack of cards is more than five bucks. And you're talking about getting a triple Jersey, a hall of famer from NT game use yeah no it's crazy some of this stuff is is so cheap out here i mean here's another i don't i'm this will be the last two jerseys and i'll switch over but you know there's a elway number to 25 two color game use uh montana two or montana, i always say montana a name of two color number to uh 25 as well both of these were like 25 bucks each you know i'm just like this Great is crazy price. yeah the 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 elway actually just showed up in the mail today i mean th those deals are still out there like i mean 100 percent I'd go after more of that stuff, but I'm so busy with my pre-war stuff. It just, you got to focus on one thing and finish that PC. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I want to finish these. Cause I do want to get in a pre-war football next. There's not that much of it. It's pretty slim pickings, oh, uh, matchbooks. Like, like relics or just of uh, like cards in general. No of cards. I mean, cause I'll do the NFL 100 and there's some guys on there who are pre-war and I'll, I'll try to find an auto or Jersey. I mean, there's Jim Thorpe jerseys out there. There's Sammy ball jersey. You can find yeah. it. It exists. You know? Grange or Grange or whatever his name is. Yeah, Red it's Grange. Lot. Yeah. You also have some of those Yale players. Yeah, whole, exactly. Whole yeah, and a lot of those yeah. guys, they're in their college, you know, jersey. I guess they just had it was more readily available for the, the trickle season. stuff from thirty five as well. That, that the the one uh, wrestler Bronco. Bronco Nagurski, that's the big dude, one. I, I want that card so much, but then it's like five figures. And funny thing about that card is, at one point, it was the most expensive football card in the hobby. I mean, it should, it probably still should be, but I, who am I to say what something's worth, but you know, it's so cool, man. I want to, I want to get that. Is it you can get his uh diamond matchbooks for like 60 bucks. So not bad. 
that's what I got as a stand-in for my Hall of Fame collection. I'll show you this last one, and then I'll switch over to Bagwell, I guess. But right, uh, sounds good. Let's see it. This is nineteen. This is one of my favorite sets. It's nineteen ninety nine SP signature. These are beautiful cards. They're really well designed. They give the players a lot of room to sign, and uh, they're all on card. They're mostly Hall. I can't say mostly. There's Hall of Famers and there were current players in ninety nine, and all these guys signed so beautifully. This one's Jack Ham. It's hard to get find a Jack Ham auto. There's not a lot of them out there. Um, and uh, again, I'm sorry for the focus, but, uh, yeah, yeah just a, a beautiful card, really nice auto. And again, you know, you know, SP is owned by upper deck. And what I've noticed is I've looked at a lot of these autos upper deck did a good job of making sure that these guys signed with good pens. There's no streaks. There's no missing in the auto. Like, I mean, upper deck was on top of it, man. They knew old, what was happening. Old upper deck had some of the best products out there. I mean, exquisite alone, just the, the quality that was brought into the hobby when they had that type of stuff. And then SP, SPX, and then they had um, Ultimate as well, like Killer Brands. Yeah, I like to say that I collect the hobby a little bit. And that's why I've really pushed that 99 to 2005 era, because I really do think, you know, 30 years from now, we're going to turn around and look back and say, that's when the hobby start really started premium sets. I mean, you can say 1989 score was premium. You can say 93, you know, tops finest refractors, or you can say that. But this this idea of what premium is today starts with like upper deck things like that. Yeah, and um, I don't know for the Bagwell stuff. I'll show off one cool look. It's just a way for me collecting Bagwell is a way to collect '90s baseball because I'm getting his stuff instead of buying a, a super expensive Chipper Jones or Derek Jeter or something. I'll buy the Bagwell stuff, and then I can kind of say, look, this is you know what '90s baseball was. Uh, but this is one of my favorites. This is 1988. His rookie is 1991. But this is 1990, uh, 1988 PNL Cape Cod League. These are some of my favorite cards. Frank Thomas is in this set as well. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck Knobloch. This, this particular set is actually pretty – it's pretty cool. And I want the Frank Thomas like that. But, yeah, I mean, stuff's stupid cheap. And then, I mean, look, guys, it's just explaining my PC like – Again, you know, Bagwell is just a stand-in for 90s baseball, right? It's just one guy from that sport in that era. This is 99 Pacific uh, Prism. I actually think Prism that exists today ripped a lot off from this Prism. I think they're using that, but that's number to 320. That one's pretty low. And then there's just a lot of stuff from that era that's like uh, case hits that people don't maybe don't know about. People know the Select Mirror Gold. They know that one's a case hit. Uh, but this is 1994 Upper Deck SPX. Um, this is the special effects or something that was a case hit. Stuff. Yeah. And then here's an exceptional, you know, people know this, that people know this Jambalaya style. Jambalaya, yeah. yeah. So like, you know, if you pick a player that is, isn't Kobe, that isn't Derek Jeter, you know, you can build a pretty awesome PC in a way to, to look at it and say like, this is what baseball cards from that era, football card, basketball from that era looked like. No, that looks that some of those cards are really, really cool. I, I know like the Griffey Jeter and those guys in baseball are way, way too expensive. Then, but then you look at like the names that are slightly below that, and it's it's so cheap. And if I if I was going after that stuff, that's what I'd be grabbing right now. Yeah, stuff just falls off a cliff, man. Everybody thinks Hall of Fame is safe, and it's uh, if you're looking at it from an investment, I would just say there's a lot of Hall of Famers right now there who are dirt cheap. So. Yeah, no, the biggest shocker for me is that some of the 90s pitchers. I mean, you have Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson and Pedro, and they should be a lot more expensive than where they really are. I have my own theories based on why they're cheaper or not, but I mean, for what they've done and during their careers, and I kind of like to see that they have, at least on the pitching side of things and baseball side of things, they should be worth a lot more. Yeah, it's, I won't show them, but it's funny you mentioned those three because I have I built a collection for Maddox and I'm building one for Pedro and for the big unit uh maddox all i did was i took like 20 cards 
throughout the course of his career, like it was kind of base tops. It's, it's really what it is. And maybe I'd get a gold one every once in a while and just kind of like, this is his first, you know, Cy Young. This was the last year he won the gold glove. You know, this is his rookie. You know, I kind of put together the story of his career through like some base tops cards. And, uh, you know, it's like a $30 collection, but it's a pretty cool little Greg Maddox collection, you know, for me. So. Oh, absolutely. So any last minute tips for anyone watching this video right now? Last minute tips, man. It, uh, it's so, it sounds so stupid and so cliche, but buy what you love for your PC. I mean, it's just, I, I can't tell you how many times over the course of, of my time in the hobby, like I, I get swayed to move a certain direction, but my gut feels one way. And every time I don't listen to my gut, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I made a mistake. And um, so definitely listen to your gut. You know, if you like it, buy it, man. Like assuming it's in your budget and all that stuff, obviously, but you know, try not to get too caught up in the hype. No, I hundred percent agree. Do not follow the hype because you are going to get burned. A lot of these people just pump and dump the cards and they're dumping it to you. As soon as they're trying to sell you on the card, they've already sold off their inventory. It's just like the crypto out there. And when you buy what you love, you don't care if it goes down a little bit. You're, you have an, a goal, you have something set in mind and you actually are invested in it rather than just looking at it from a pure profit loss standpoint. Obviously you have to look at that perspective of the hobby and how it's been developed over time, but you're still having fun. If you lose a little bit, whatever, you have the card in your PC. So people can follow you what on YouTube, Twitter, give it Instagram as well. Just follow me on YouTube. I'll talk about my Twitter sometimes there. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. It's a good way to get a hold of me. But if you really want to reach out, SCI Discord, I'm always over there. And then my emails in all of my video descriptions. So shoot me an email. Guys, make sure to check out his channel. We actually just did a video over there as well. We we're just doing an interview, just having a discussion, everything from fake cards to what I also PC. So that's over on the Sports Card Anonymous channel. And then you can watch, obviously, while well, you just watch this one right over here. So two different videos, make sure to check them out. Hey, thanks again for being on. Thanks for having me, sir. No problem.